0: this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peaslee president kpp financial independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast you're listening to an encore presentation of invest talk Please call with your questions and comments though, 888-99CHART, 888-99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Welcome
1: to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial. 888-99-CHARTER our number, 888-992-4278.
2: Hey guys, uh, Tom in Tennessee again. Happy New Year. You've been uh, suggesting that we rotate more toward value as value's been so badly hit over the last couple of years, several years. And I would presume that the rotation to value has some assumptions built into it that we are going to get back to more normal well with the vaccine rollout dreadfully slow unemployment still rising or folks just not looking for a job anymore congress well congress is congress is it still a good idea to continue to rotate into value or should we look for some bottom somewhere before we start investing uh there I look forward to your answer on the podcast. Never miss a one. Thanks, guys.
3: Uh, the answer is yes, it still is. Uh, if you look at the trends, the trend remains intact. That growth is underperforming value uh, across the market ever since the September high. Remember we had the sell-off in September? Yeah, we've rallied since in the major S&P, but the growth side has made higher lower highs and lower lows ever since then. And now, uh, if you look at the chart, which obviously you're not looking at, but I am, uh, the 50 day is pointing down. It's been pointing down really since mid November. And now the 100 day is threatening that as well, uh, kind of flatlining. Uh, so you're, you're starting to see this trend after years and years and years of the growth outperforming. And there are some few, there are a few factors that are driving this. Number one is a weaker dollar. Weaker dollar means higher inflation, and that means higher interest rates in general. You start to see interest rates rising a little bit. Uh, But also, you're, you're seeing expected future economic growth going up. So growth is becoming less scarce. And the reason that expected growth is going higher is because governments are now spending, right? They've opened up the checkbooks. They're writing checks to people they're writing checks to businesses, they are spending, and the fiscal hawks are gone, right? And so this is repairing balance sheets, both especially on the corporate side, but also the individual side, and this is giving rise to that inflation, higher commodity prices, and higher economic growth. So this is a big reason for that, right? Uh, And so I I maintain that value is still the place to be.
2: Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Josh from California. How are you guys doing today? I have a quick question involving options. I've been paper trading on my TD Ameritrade account options just to get a feel of it. But one thing they keep reminding me is risk of dividends. What would that mean for a long call for me? Do I owe money or
3: is that reduced from the uh, value? Just curious. Thank you. Have a good one. Look forward to the answers. Bye. Well, div- what dividends can do is they can trigger, it's a, it's a triggering potential triggering event, right? Triggering the option before it's actually expired, right? So, for example, I'll give you an example in the strategy that we deploy for clients, the covered call strategy. And every one of the positions in there pays some sort of a dividend, maybe small dividend, maybe a large dividend, doesn't matter. We buy a stock, let's say at $45 a share, and we'll sell a call. Let's use an example, $50 strike. And between the time we buy it and the next dividend date or the the expiration of the option, the stock goes above 50, right? And now the ex-dividend date's coming up. If I'm the owner the other side, right, somebody who bought that option, and you want to get the dividend, you're going to need to execute the option, right? You need to go buy it at 50. Let's say it's at 55 now. You need to go buy it at 50 in order to get that dividend. Otherwise, we get it, right? We're owning the underlying, or our clients are owning the underlying, and they're going to get that dividend unless the option holder triggers the option. So that's how ex-dividend dates can trigger an event before the actual option expires. So I hope that kind of helped That with that small example there. That was just one example of how dividends can play into an option strategy.
1: You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
2: Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Colin in Chicago. I've been a listener for probably about a year now. I started just before the pandemic. And I've been creating my own portfolio using TD Ameritrade, buying stocks, doing my own research and using the advice that you guys provide. And I was wondering if it would work out the way that I'm anticipating as far as starting a traditional IRA on TD Ameritrade using the portfolio that I've created and and just contributing the maximum amount for the 2020 calendar year, just as a tax advantage. I'm trying to lower my taxable income as much as possible uh, since I missed out on all the stimulus last year. So do you think it would be a good idea for me to take my portfolio and then contribute the maximum 6500 into a traditional IRA just to get that tax advantage like I was thinking and, and try to keep my taxable income under 100000 I will listen for your answer on the podcast. Thank you guys for all you do. You guys have been a great help.
1: Yes <laughs> yes you always want to max out your 401ks 403 B's 451 whatever whatever alphabet uh, retirement account you have at work and your IRA if you can't you know because some of us can't you make too much money and you're not able to. but the answer is yes you could open up an IRA at TD and I like TD that's our custodian and just roll in you know roll in your holdings. Into the IRA, you can do that, and that could be your contribution. So I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that just makes sense.
3: Let's talk to Owen here in California. Let's talk about silver and gold.
2: Hi, uh, I was wondering what uh, if uh, you think that silver and gold have too high of a price right now, and if we need to look out for a drawback in order to buy, or if uh, it would be a good investment.
3: No, I actually think it's the the opposite. If you look at real yields, which are plumbing towards uh, the lows, multi-year lows, kind of the lows that we saw in the summer, uh, then you would... Surmise that gold and silver prices would actually be higher than they are right now, especially with the dollar declining as well. Uh, now I think there has been some speculative scarcity demand taken away from the gold and silver space into crypto. Uh, but I think that's more of a temporary thing. Uh, to me, still remains a, a good time. You've had this recent pullback in the gold and silver space. That's shaken out a lot of weak hands. Uh, and, but technically, There's nothing wrong. In fact, it looks like it's just making a recent higher low and higher high, which is the start of the first thing you need to start a new uptrend. Uh, And so uh, I still expect gold to be north of 2000 by the end of the year. Uh, And the fact that we're here around 1800 still uh, tells me that the price is actually undervalued versus something that needs more of a pullback. It's had the pullback. It's basically since the beginning of August when rates did bottom, right? When rates did bottom, it started to consolidate and nominal rates, excuse me, nominal rates bottom. Uh but real rates are reaccelerating to the downside, to the downside, and that is typically good for gold and silver. So to me, it's
0: opportunity. Our invest talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs-up or thumbs-down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com.
2: Hello, Noah from Hawaii. Thank you, first of all, for the uh, excellent, excellent podcast you put out. My goodness gracious, uh you enrich us with your entertainment and your uh and the education that you give us on uh, all the financial matters. Uh thinking about uh utilizing a certified financial planner, a fiduciary to manage my um, my retirement funds, and I want to know the correct proper questions to ask them to research that company or a particular company. Should I ask them about their annualized return for low, medium, and high-risk portfolios? Should I ask them about their ratings within the industry? And third, should I um, ask them about their fee structure based upon a dollar amount invested with their firm? I appreciate your answer, and I look forward to it. Take care, and aloha from Hawaii.
4: Okay,
1: CFP, Certified Financial Planners, uh, are are a good start, but the first major question when you're talking to a financial planner is how they get paid. Because they're not investors. They're not they don't invest things. Um they more advise you what to buy. And and generally they're telling you to buy insurance and buying mutual funds and buying annuities. Things that cost money to you but makes them high profit. So that's the first most important thing in my mind is uh uh, how he gets paid when, when uh, how, you know if he if you pay him by the hour because he's giving you advice, I I'm okay I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with him getting paid. Don't think I'm not, but a lot of times it's obscure because he's getting commissions and back end commissions from things so he or she. Also, if they're recommending a custodian of your money, you know like Schwab or Fidelity Vanguard, I don't care who. Goldman Sachs, make sure it is F, insured, okay? FDIC, uh, that is the insurance for banks. SIPC is insurance for um, uh, custodian of investment accounts. You want a large, safe, insured custodian. That's really important. Very, very important. Madoff. Who stole those billions of dollars? He was his his company was the custodian, and it was not insured. Okay, and of course you mentioned it. And you want it? You want him to be a fiduciary? You want him to have the fiduciary responsibility? Uh, we are KPB Financial is, and that is important that you get it. So those all those kinds of questions, you know, performance. If he's a a financial planner, he's not managing accounts, so you know his performance would be whoever he's telling you to go to for performance, whatever assets he's telling you to buy. So good questions though, very good questions. Let's go to Tony in Mendel Park, how are you doing Tony?
2: Very good Steve, thanks for taking my call. I had a question regarding how to buy a mutual fund. When I buy a mutual fund, I try to evaluate the mutual fund manager's style and performance and whatnot. Do you have any... Service that you know of or any website that actually just looks at the fund manager's performance.
1: Have you ever looked at Morningstar.com, Tony? Sure. Okay, Morningstar.com has a little section on each one of those funds that says this is how it's done against its peer group. Have you seen that little section? Uh,
2: Yeah, I believe so.
1: That is where you're going to compare the managers with other managers in the same group. And Tony, that's a beautiful way to pick a fund. That's one of my main criteria: is pick the fund based on the manager. Pick the fund based on his three, five, and ten-year performance. Mm -hmm. And you want that guy, that particular guy has been there for ten years or five years, and he produced this performance. And then that performance is one of the top performances of his entire peer group. This is a big problem I have with people, you know, not checking him against his peers. You can't check him against the market or... You really need to check him against his peers. If the whole market goes down 25%, and he only went down 3%, and he's the best guy, that's the guy you pick. You know, that kind of thing.
2: Right. I was just going to say, I'll take a closer look at that, and I uh, appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, Tony. Okay. Appreciate it.
1: You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 888-99-CHART. Beginning our experience. We're here to answer your questions.
0: listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
2: hey steve and justin i'm calling in from alaska i love the show thank you i had a question for older people say about 50 years old who have lived about paycheck to paycheck their entire lives and they don't have much for retirement and they want to get started with that. Now, since they're older and they have less time, my question is, is there a better choice for an investment vehicle as opposed to like an IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, brokerage? Looking forward to hearing your answer. Um, thanks again. Bye.
3: Well, the answer to that question is no, the, the investment account type. Is kind of what you're you're asking about when you say Roth IRA, IRA, 401k. Remember, those are only account types. Those aren't investment. They're investments. They're investment vehicles. Uh, they are just simply account types, and the account type basically dictates the tax consequences, so the tax treatment of those investments and that money. And uh, so that's really the big change there. But then, for the most part, uh, 401ks aside, you can buy kind of whatever you want. And then it goes down to your investment strategy. Now, if you are getting a late start, you haven't saved enough, well, then you probably want to be a little more aggressive, right? Because you need to, you need to catch up a little bit. And you need to have probably a, a better stomach for volatility than you probably really want to be, right? Um, if you're a more moderate investor, maybe you go a little moderately aggressive. If you're a moderately aggressive investor, maybe you need to go all the way to aggressive, Right. So maybe upping that risk level just a little bit, but doing it in a smart way, doing it, not just taking risk to take risk, not just saying, oh, this is an aggressive investment. So I buy an aggressive investment. It's not like that. It's just understanding that, hey, I'm going to, in a smart way, have to up my risk metric on my portfolio and on my investments. So you should continue and try to push on saving in those particular account types for tax purposes, but then keeping your eye on the ball when it comes to your strategy and developing something that uh, makes sense long-term, not just short-term. I know you may not have 30 years, but you probably still have 10, 15 years before uh, you're going to retire, uh, and you need to up that risk a little bit.
1: 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, 888-992-4278. We're going to go to Mike in San Diego. How are you doing, Mike?
3: Oh, great. I uh, appreciate
2: your program. Thank you very much. We just need a little bit of uh, education here. Maybe you can help us. Uh, what is the purpose of rising or you know lowering the uh, interest rate?
1: This is what happens when the Fed Reserve or banks lower their interest rates. It makes it more attractive for companies and individuals to borrow that money when they borrow money. That money gets used and put into the economic system. It starts to flow through the system. That produces activity, build more factories, expand existing manufacturing systems, or improve the systems that you have, make yourself more effective and more cost-efficient.
2: But now, why would the federal government raise the interest rate, though? Wouldn't that slow down the economy, though?
1: Yes. The purpose in raising interest rate the only purpose is to slow down the economy, by the way. Okay. Now, you'll say, well, why would they want to do that? Well, the Federal Reserve has two mandates. One is to keep the economy going at a consistent pace without any really high spikes. or They're supposed to be consistent and making the economy grow at a consistent level. That's job number one. Job number two is to keep control of inflation. Now, those two jobs are sometimes mutually exclusive. In other words, how do I control inflation? How do I control that? Well, if I slow down the economy, if I slow it down, and the jobs are not so plentiful, and corporations are having trouble raising prices because they're not getting as much business as they used to, then I'm going to kill inflation. If the economy gets too heated, the businesses will start raising prices, and employees will start demanding more money because corporations make more and more money. And you start a cycle of inflation. So they have this mandate that says, okay, I gotta kill inflation, therefore I gotta raise rates. I gotta keep the economy going, therefore I gotta lower rates.
2: Wonderful. I, that clears everything up. I thank you very much. Thanks, I listen Ma- to you guys all the time.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. Vic in Bay Area. How you doing, Vic?
2: I'm good, Steve. How you doing today? I'm
1: doing great. Thanks for calling.
2: Oh, thank you for taking my call. Just had a quick question. I'm actually scheduled to meet up with you here in the very near future. I know we're going to have limited time, and I, I thought this might be useful to other people. So okay. on the 401K, it's pretty much that's all I've uh, dealt with so far in my investment career. Okay. I would like to start taking off and doing some of the stock individually. Does one get uh, a thing for that as far as if you cash in uh, some of the 401K investment money and, and in stocks, or is that... Kind of like trading in for a mutual
1: fund. Good question, Vic. It depends on your particular 401k, for instance. Many, many 401ks give you limited options of what you can buy, right? Pretty much,
2: yeah.
1: Okay, and that's mostly what is out there. But some 401ks, the one I have for my employees, allows you to opt out of those options and trade individual stocks in the 401k. You have to ask your employer if that's an available to you. Okay. And the employer has to pay for that option in behalf of its employees, but it's only $100, $200 bucks a month. It's not a ton of money. Now, if you took the money out of the 401K and bought stocks outside, you're going to get paid tax and penalty, and you don't really want to do that.
2: All right.
1: And when we meet, Vic, bring me your uh, selection so I can take a look at what you get to choose from.
2: Yeah, we'll do. I'll definitely bring that. And then also, uh, there was something that I wanted to ask you about, a plan that's supposed to solidify your mortgage in nine years, and I don't know how the heck they can do that, but I'll bring Uh, that along as well.
1: We'll talk about that, too. I've done done those kinds of things myself and have gotten burned and gotten great benefit from. Depends on the plan. Okay, good deal. I'll bring that along as well. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate the call. Look forward to seeing you. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
3: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy, and where would you want to use it? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like, the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution.
4: information, Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: How about Leon and San Mateo? Hi, Leon. How you doing?
2: I've been listening to you guys' this show for maybe about a week now. Okay. And, um, I'm not an investor at all. Okay. But I've always uh, wanted to get in. I have no clue at all on, on what process it takes to get into doing something like this. I don't have a whole lot of money, but okay. still, I would really like to uh, get into the market and... and keep learning more from your program as well as other things I see on the internet.
1: Okay, Leon, you know, it's a great question and just by the fact that you're listening and have the interest, you will be able to do this. It's not rocket science. I keep telling people, you don't have to be a genius, you just have to have the interest. Yeah. And yes, everybody started from somewhere. You just don't wake up in the morning therefore you and you know everything. No one Leon, I learned stuff all the time. And I've been doing this for years. Now, if I can, let me give you a couple of suggestions, you know, if you're just starting out. First of all, don't buy just one stock. That's not a good way to start. I would suggest if you are going to start buying stuff, you either buy mutual funds or what's called exchange traded funds, ETFs, which are like mutual funds, but they, they buy and sell like stocks. And they're baskets of stocks, ETFs. Go to ETrade, the ETF center on ETrade.com, uh-huh. and they'll tell you and describe the ETFs. And, you know, you okay. can have an ETF of like an oil sector. You can have an ETF in a country, you know, like China. You can have an ETF in biotech. So it gives you some more diversification, but you don't have a lot of money. You can buy just a few shares if you want. Oh, okay. Now, that will get you into the game a little bit, to play a little bit, but I would suggest that you read first and read some of the basic books. Peter Lynch is a very easy book. Peter Lynch, Beating the Street. I would strongly suggest that book. That book is 200 pages, okay? Okay. Very easy to read. Oh, okay. Beating the Street is an older book, but it's still in print. Or One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Also, I would suggest that you come to our conference... And we are all about teaching. These are teaching conferences. That's all they're all about. And if it, you have an interest and you want to get into a newsletter, we put out a newsletter. And the second section, we have four sections. It comes out every week. The second section is how to manage a portfolio of stocks, how to do it. Okay. Might be something you're interested in, go to invest.com. You can sign up for there. It comes out every Friday. Oh, okay. You know, just by the fact that you are interested, you will learn how to do this.
2: Okay. Leon, okay. appreciate the call. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Renee in San Diego. How are you doing, Renee? Great, great. I was actually calling to find out information, opinion about the style of investing. Uh, okay. Large, large cap of value versus large cap growth or blended. Uh, it depends on the blend, obviously. Many times
1: when you hear the word or see the word blended and mutual find, it means uh, that they put some bonds in there.
2: Okay. Because I was actually looking in, in particular to an exchange trade fund uh VTV, Vanguard value, or Vanguard large-cap growth, V-U-G.
1: Over any length of history, just so you'll know, Renee, Mm -hmm. value trumps growth, okay? Mm -hmm. But there are periods, and by the way, value has been trumping growth since 2000, Yeah, value stocks. But it seems to me that it's time to think about migrating a little bit to the growth side. Why do I say that? Because I think the tech stocks are going to move. It seems like. The tech stocks might have the potential to move, and they are considered growth stocks.
2: Oh, I
1: see. But I don't think, Renee, that means just avoid value altogether. No, no, no. I'm just saying maybe start increasing your large-cap growth position, but still hold on to some value.
2: I have about 10000 I was wondering, do I invest in maybe about three companies that are good value, look really solid, or do I go in an exchange-traded fund that has a, you know, a little more diversification?
1: With $10,000, I'd probably go with a diversification in ETFs. Okay. Uh, and remember, you can get a sector, you could do a whole market, you could do a growth versus value, or you want maybe you could do tech, you could do oil, you could do oil services, you could do foreign with ETFs. And what's nice about ETFs is you do get that instant diversification. So I would not hesitate to have maybe, I don't know, four or five, six ETFs with $10,000.
2: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: Yeah. it spread it out. Spread it all out. And say, okay. And what you do is you're doing the right thing, Renee. You decide, should I be in the value growth side, large, small, mid? How about foreign? How about a sector? What would be a good sector to be in right now? Those are the kind of thought processes you go mm-hmm.
2: through. And from the articles I have read, they're saying that the small caps have gotten in their heyday. Now the large cap is, seems to have uh, its turn in the and yeah.
1: The sunshine. yeah, I'd probably stick with the mid to large caps. I would. Okay, perfect. Uh, Renee, appreciate the call. Uh, thank you.
0: InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are the principals of KPP Financial and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices. Parallel Investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Steve in Anaheim. How are you doing, Steve?
4: I have my money in a lot of different places. Uh, I have a, some deferred comp, I have 401ks, huh? but I also have some money in annuities. And I always hear a lot of the investment programs talking about annuities are not so great. It's why they're not so good.
1: Remember, annuities are our insurance product. They're very complex. They're legalese. If you ever try to read that annuity document, you would probably get lost, okay? Exactly. And that works to the insurance company's benefit, obviously, because it is confusing. Attorneys can't figure that darn thing out. So I used (laughs) to be in the insurance business, Steve. I know what they do. But let's make it simple. Why aren't annuities good? Because I don't like them either. Why? The thing that they hook you on is they guarantee you a return, right? It could be as good as 5, 6, 7% a few years ago. Bad thing about annuities here's a couple of things. One, you were required to hold on to them for a certain length of period of time, usually seven to 10 years. Yeah. Number two, if it is a annuity that's tracked to the stock market, do you have choices? Like, can you buy the S&P 500 index or mutual funds or something like that? So
4: I think it is, yes. I'm okay. pretty sure.
1: So they what they do is they give you choices to buy the stock market. But there's fees for this. The annuity, the insurance company charges you a fee. The mutual fund that you're buying charges you a fee. And the annuities are very high. Their fees are very, very high. They're kind of hidden, but they're very high. They also limit... Your return, you can't make as much as the stock market in 10 years. And the reason why they have holding periods, 10 years, because there's never been a 10-year period in the stock market's history where the stock market has not gone up. They know it's going to go up. That's why they can guarantee you that money. Now, annuities are a tax-deferred instrument. You never use an IRA to buy annuity. Because it's already a tax-deferred instrument. But what happens in annuity is you get a false sense of its growth because you don't have to pay taxes. You don't have to pay capital gains taxes until you sell it. When you sell it 10 years from now, all the capital gains that has been built up in that annuity are due. That means your returns say, oh, I made 20%. Great. Maybe you only made 10% because you haven't paid the taxes yet. Oh, gosh. And you don't know what that tax responsibility is they don't know that until you sell it so there's a lot of little negatives when steve you could just go buy a s&p 500 index outside the annuity and you'll do much better if you held it for the same length of time (laughs) well thanks for the info i appreciate it thanks steve appreciate the call annuities everybody it's only for special situations really special situations that you would want it and usually that's trying to transfer your money to the next generation very very special let's go talk to Todd on Lakeside how are you doing Todd? Oh good Steve how about yourself? good how's it out there in Lakeside?
2: Uh, it's, you know it's a good deal like good. it yep it's a nice area um, you know Steve I had a couple of questions but for one thing I, I guess I'm struggling a little bit on trying to figure out the uh, value of stocks
1: how to project the value of a stock Yes. Okay, this is how you do it. I'm going to give you two methods, Todd, and none of these methods are perfect, so don't always think they're perfect They're not. Right. Uh, One method is good for medium-sized companies, not too good for really large companies and not too good for really small companies, but in the middle, the bulk of the companies out there. You use the earnings per share estimates for next year, and you multiply up times the growth rate of the earnings per share. So let's say the earnings per share this year is a dollar, and the earnings per share next year is $1.20. That's a 20% growth rate, right? Okay. You take that 20, multiply it times $1.20, okay? And that gives you a projected price for that stock. Now, if the stock is selling below that amount, that's what you want. If it's selling above that amount, it's, see, it might be overpriced. Now, it doesn't work for very large companies because they don't grow very much. Okay. Now it can be if the company was just beat up to smithereens price wise, and they're only growing eight percent. Let's say you know, let's say they're Coca Cola. Coca Cola can grow what ten percent a year, maybe. And Microsoft. These big, huge companies can't grow. But if they get beat up enough, the valuations will work. Now, the other good way to use, okay, let's, let's say... Hey, hang
2: on, let me back you up for a second, though. You sure. say the um, earnings per share for this year and next year, is that all four quarters combined? Average? Yes. Okay.
1: All the four quarters, the whole year. How okay. much is the whole year going to be worth? Okay. And the other method is to look at the P.E. ratio range for this, the company, the, the target company you're looking at for the last five years. And let's just say the range is ten to thirty. Then you take next year's earnings per share, and multiply that times ten, and then also multiply it times thirty, and then you get the range of the price of the stock should trade at. And if it's at the very low end of the range or below that end of the range, that's a buy. Okay. Okay. Now you just look All at a chart and decide where you want
2: to buy it. Right, I'll have to play around with that one a little bit.
1: Eight 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 ninety nine charters, our number eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to Mike in Escondido. How you doing, Mike?
4: Hi, good, Steve. How are you? My question is dollar cost averaging, and um, you know, do you have a general rule of thumb of, of which particular? I mean, I, I have a basic understanding of it. Want me to explain how it works? Yeah, this is <laughs>
1: the this is the concept. It's 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 not a hard concept. But it's very difficult to do when the market is crashing. It's okay. just very difficult to do because that means you keep buying and you keep losing money. But you're supposed to keep buying. You're supposed to do it in good times and bad times. Okay. What it is is putting the same exact amount of money, not number of shares, but the same exact amount of money to work on a very consistent basis, like once every two weeks, once every month, whatever system you decide to set up for yourself mm-hmm. and you just keep buying the and the concept behind the idea behind the concept is in the markets crashing and going down you're buying more and more shares as the market goes down and you're driving your average cost down as a market's going down mm-hmm. and in actuality you want it to keep going down for long periods of time but then the last few years before you retire you want to shoot up <laughs> No, that's, that's not always an you know, ideal world. Yeah. But uh, that's the concept. And when the market starts rallying, what happens is you participate in the rally by continued dollar cost average, you know, because it, the market's going up and you're still buying as it goes up. So you're making more and more money with the old stuff you bought months ago. What it's trying to do is get away from timing the market, Mike, because it's almost impossible to know where the bottom is or where the top is. It's more difficult to do it with individual stocks, Mike. It's much easier to do it with a mutual fund or an index fund or indexing because individual stocks, it could go down and up regardless of what direction the market's going. Yeah, okay. So that's just harder to do. And in actuality, if you had a lot of courage, when the market's going down, you keep putting more money and more money and more money. You increase the amount of dollar cost average. When the market's going up, you decrease it. Okay. Dollar cost averaging is over months and years, putting the same amount of money in the same position. Usually, not an individual stock, but a mutual fund or an index.
4: And in the end, you you know your your hope is that it goes it goes up and just keeps going up and keeps going up. That's right. And, and there's dips there's dips along the way, but you yep. just
1: because you know. the stock market has historically gone up. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it, it always has so far, but these last since 2000 to today, it hasn't.
4: Very good. Thanks, guys. Good luck, Mike.
1: Bye-bye. We'll go to George in San Diego. How are you doing, George?
4: Fine. Thank you, sir. What is
0: your opinion of a uh, trust deed?
1: Are you a first trustee or a second trustee? First no. ones only. First trustee. Mm-hmm. I like them. Okay. Uh, George, you mind if I explain it a little quick for everybody else what they are? Yeah. How much risk is there involved? Okay. And I'll, I'll touch on that. A uh, trust deed is where you're talking about a piece of property, everybody. And right. you are the bank. You're the bank. Think of you're the one carrying the mortgage. That's what a trustee is. A trustee is a mortgage carrier. So let's say someone buys an office building and they need uh, $300,000, and that's a first trustee. In other words, the first trustee means you're the first position. First position means that if something goes wrong, you get paid first. Right. Okay? So first trustees I'm very happy with. Second trustees I'm not so happy with. But it also depends on how much equity. In other words, if you loan 300000 and the building's worth a million and you're the first trustee of 300000 there's very little risk there. Exactly. Because you're going to get your money even if the guy goes bankrupt on this building, whether it's an office building or a retail shopping center, I don't care, whatever it is. I still get my money back. Right. You'll get your money back. Right. So the risk, George, goes to how much equity is in there. And if you have 50%, coverage meaning that there's no more than 50% debt as a first trustee he can have more tra- debt than that by the way but as a first trustee yours you don't care about those second guys you I just get paid about- first yeah that's right cuz you're going to get paid first I see. so as long as you have coverage of 50% or more that's a very low risk in my opinion now it's not that liquid meaning you can't just get your money tomorrow that's not going to happen no. it's a mortgage
4: they
2: say they only keep the money for one year.
1: A one-year trustee, is that what they are? Yeah. Okay, because they want to get you out of there, probably because they're paying a high interest rate.
2: High uh, interest rate, right.
1: There's nothing wrong with them, George. Uh, mm-hmm. The fear is, let's say they go under. Yeah. Okay, let's say that happens. Mm-hmm. You won't get your money immediately. That doesn't happen. they got to then sell the property. you got to foreclose on them. Oh,
4: yeah, got to wait you know, and wait and wait.
1: Yeah. yeah. But they are very good income producers, so I think that's a... Yeah. A good part of your overall investment strategy, I think it's a good idea. Okay, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks, George. Appreciate the call. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Let's go talk to Steve in Newport Beach. How are you doing, Steve?
2: Oh, very good. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Uh, I have a question. I've been doing some married put positions recently and had very good success with them, but now the market's kind of changing, and I'm wondering how, what your take is
4: on buying stock and also buying a put for protection in case it unwinds unexpectedly.
1: I, I like the options game. I, I do. I like uh, you know selling puts, buying puts, depending on what stock you're talking about, whether you want to own it or you want to get rid of it, and it is very good. They call that insurance in my, my business, and I see nothing wrong with that, Steve. I think it's a technique. A lot of people use, uh, use successfully. And f- for everybody else out there, this means if you sell, you know, if you do put options, they could put the stock to you. In other words, let's say you wanted to buy Apple. But you wanted to buy it when it reaches a closer to the 200-day moving average. Well, you can buy an option that will put that stock to you at that price or below. Actually, at that price, but they might get it below. And you can get a premium for it at the same time.
0: So, yeah, you'd, you'd be selling a put to accomplish that.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. someone would put the stock to you if it falls to that price. If it doesn't fall to that price, you get to keep the premium. Yeah, it might be a dollar a share, I don't know, two dollars a share, depending on how far out. There's a lot of issues. I don't really want to get into that, Steve, because you know, not too many people know how to do this. But I, as far as a, a, an investment strategy, I think it's very good. We do that in a small part of our portfolios selling puts, and the stocks we want to own. You get a yeah, I'm, I'm not selling puts, I'm buying puts. I uh-huh. own the stock and I also buy a put. Okay, so if you get to put it to somebody and protect your downside risk. Right. Uh-huh. And you don't mind if it doesn't go down there because you get to hold, hold on to your stock and it didn't fall. So it's okay with you.
4: Yeah, it's if I buy the protection a little bit higher than what, I'm, what it's trading at, then I can hold it through a downturn mm-hmm. without... Having to puke it up at the that's absolute right. bottom.
1: Yeah, exactly,
4: exactly. So, <laughs> Steve, I, I really I think covered.
1: that's a good, good, uh, a good way to do it. A good uh, okay. technique. So, yeah, keep it. As Long as you know how to do it. It's not really for everybody because the issue of how much premium you're getting and how long how long is it out there before it expires. Oh, yeah. And, and so there, it gets complex to, you know, a lot of people have trouble keeping an eye on that stuff and learning and understanding what's going on. Before anybody who wants to do it that's familiar and
4: comfortable with it,
1: yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay, great. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. Tim, Newport Beats, how you doing?
4: Thanks for taking my call. This is an insurance question, and I, um, I'm i with an uh, insurance company, a longtime mm-hmm. customer, mm-hmm. and I have home. Rentals and auto, no claims whatsoever, mm-hmm. and their premiums have gone through the roof. It's one of the publicly traded companies.
1: Who, which one? You can tell
4: All them.
2: Allstate. Okay. And. Um,
1: you know, Tim, you need to get competing bids. You'll find that you'll get a b- much bigger, you get a bargain. You will find other companies that will, if you don't have any claims. Remember, and, and just so you'll know, Tim, they find out. If you don't fess up to them, they will find out if you have claims. They have a system called the CIB index, uh, the, the insurance between the insurance companies, and all of them report to the third party that reports, every insurance company reports every claim to a Ooh. third party. And then they all all the members of this index, you have to pay to be a member, submit your name and your social security number to that index. They'll find out about every claim you ever made. You oh good! I didn't know that. Yeah, most people don't know that. I used to work in the insurance business. That's how I know.
2: Oh good. Um, What's the downside? <laughs>
1: there's really no downside. Let's even though you're a long-term customer and you say, "But well, gee, I don't want to lose my uh, my 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 relationship." My, you know <laughs> what? Insurance companies—they don't give two cents about your relationship, Tim. You have too many claims. Your history. Let's say all of a sudden you had two or three claims—a rash for some reason. You know, uh, for your house. They'll cancel you. They'll double your rate. They don't care about the 20 years you're with them. You have to shop around. Insurance is always available. You can find it. I guarantee you, Tim, you'll find it for 25% less than you're paying today somewhere. Yep. Yeah, you will find it cheaper. All you do is call up a few companies. Um, You know, there there there's so many. If you email me, Tim, I'll give you several companies I think you should check with.
2: Oh, good.
1: Thank you. Okay, Tim. Appreciate. It. Just go to InvestTalk.com and hit Contact Me. Contact us and type in I'm the guy on the radio show. Could you give me a couple of insurance companies to check some rates for homeowners, auto, and also, Tim. I don't know if you do this, but if you might want to get excess insurance, you get you get umbrella. I do. Okay, then good. That's the way you go about it. Some people buy like oh, I'll buy two million dollars or with their insurance. Well, no, buy five hundred thousand, then get two million umbrella. Yeah, it's much cheaper, much cheaper way. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic. Go to investtalk.com. You want to contact me directly, easy. Leave a message in the machine or go to investtalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.